0: Let's turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 13. Today, our theme is Anticipate, which traditionally in the Advent themes, it's the theme of hope. And we find so much hope in the story of Christmas, which is not a distant, static story, it's an unfolding story. The story of Jesus coming to Bethlehem and living among us and ascending to heaven, that story's not over because he's. Coming again. He's come through the Holy Spirit. And when we do the deeds that Jesus called us to do, and then He'll be coming again physically, and we look forward to that day. So, today's passage, I'm really looking forward to sharing this with you because I prepared this message a few weeks ago, or many days ago, let's put it that way, probably 10 days ago, 12 days ago, because I wanted to take some time off for Thanksgiving. And you you begin to look at this service and you're thinking, okay, that should be a nice little service in the middle of Thanksgiving weekend, right? We're doing our stuff and we'll have church and then no 242 small groups are happening that night. So we'll just kind of stick church in the middle of that Thanksgiving weekend. But as I looked at this text, there is an anointing. There's a power in this text. I'm gonna ask you three questions today that I know is going to pierce your heart. And I say that is because it's, questions that texts are asking us, and it's going to be very formative to the coming year. Uh, the coming year, you know, today starts the beginning of the church calendar, and obviously uh, culture, we start on January 1st, a, a new year, a new calendar, so we're in a time of thinking, time of evaluation. I use some time over the Thanksgiving weekend, and I will today, to think about my life, think about my future, think about my present, Um, in a reflective way. And these questions are going to help you be reflective also. Romans chapter 13, starting with verse 11. Besides this, knowing the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from your sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The daylight is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency as in the daylight, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy. Verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no plans to satisfy the fleshly desires. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no plans to satisfy the fleshly desires. You know, sleeping in can be a good thing for us. It, m- sometimes, occasionally, we just need some extra sleep. And Beth tells me, you need to sleep in more. I don't really sleep in, but what I do is I, I wake up early and then I nap the rest of the day. So I don't know if that really is, counts as some type of noble, noble act on my part, getting up early. But occasionally, it's good for us to sleep in. But it's probably not the most productive thing for us to do it all the time. There's a time when the morning comes that it's time for us to get up and get about the day's chores and get about the things that we're supposed to do. My dad used to like to wake us up on Saturday morning. Uh, He didn't wake us up directly when we were sleeping in, but he had a little system uh, in which he woke us up. And we, we lived in a, a small house where we were all kind of close to one another. My room was closest to the living room. And so I noticed as I was laying in bed, and it was his desire for me to get up, that the TV volume suddenly just increased rapidly. And also I heard the TV sounding very, very loud. And then I could hear the coffee brewing and begin to smell that. And then he would begin to cook breakfast, but he didn't do it gently in such a way to give us extra sleep. It was kind of his own alarm clock. I mean, the pots and pans would start banging and rattling about, and the cabinet doors would swing open. then somehow, mysteriously, my bedroom door would open and, and this crescendo began to build that, um, yeah, I was supposed to, he was supposed to be letting me sleep in, but the truth was and the TV was getting louder, the kitchen utensils were clanging harder, um, the 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 whole atmosphere, doors were opening. And then in addition to that, a lot of Saturdays, his Sunday school teacher would drive by the house. He lived in the neighborhood. And if the front door was open, that was a sign to Mr. Loy that he could come in and have coffee with my, my parents. And so Mr. Loy would come in and have coffee. And at that point, if I'm not getting out of bed, by the clanging of pots and pans and the TV and the door being open, this man I went to church with would come into my room and personally wake me up. <laughs> Aaron, it's time to get out of bed. The coffee's ready. We're having breakfast. We need to come out. And we'd come out and talk and sometimes pray. And so there, there is a time just to get out of bed and get on with the day. This scripture is a wake-up call to us. It is a scripture by the Spirit is calling us to wake up. Here's the first question that God wants to ask you on this reflective Sunday. When will you wake up? Write that down if you're taking notes. When will you wake up? Look at verse 11 once again. Besides this, knowing the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. So metaphorically here, now we're talking about getting out of bed. This is not a commentary on sleep habits and sleep patterns. That's all an individual choice. But using this as a metaphor, it's time for us to wake up from our sleep, wake up from our slumber and get about God's business. Now, this is the point where I can wag my finger at you and call you lazy people who are sleeping in, right? And... I would suggest to you that most of the time as adults, we don't sleep in because we're lazy. That's not the reason we sleep in. Again, I already qualified that there are appropriate times to sleep in. So how many can give me a witness to that? Can say, "Amen. this is good to sleep in sometime? All right. But when we're supposed to be about the Lord, uh, our Lord's business and spiritually we're staying in bed, just like natural sleep, sometimes there's other reasons for that. A lot of times it's because we're just not healthy. And when we're not physically healthy, it's hard to get out of bed. We've all been there to some degree or another. It may have been the flu or it may have been something more, um, more prolonged that you've been dealing with. Where you just you wanted to get out of bed... You wanted to have participation in culture and life and family, but you just couldn't get out of the bed. Spiritually, some of you, listen, you're at an unhealthy place spiritually. Because of that, you're lying in slumber and you're lying at a place and you can't even get up. And God's saying today, it's time to wake up. And you might say, well, how can I wake up? How can I wake up when I'm not healthy? That's why the great physician He's here for you. There's a healing that comes from spiritual damage. Some of us have been spiritually damaged. We have a limp. We have a virus. We have an illness. We're stuck in the bed and the Lord is saying, I want to come this year and I want to heal you and I want you to rise up from your sleep. No longer staying in bed. You're not staying in bed because you're lazy. You're staying in bed because you're sick. The one who's a great physician is here to touch your sickness, to touch your Uh, illness to heal you spiritually so that you can have energy again all the little kids running around this church what is a sign of health a sign of health not the only sign but a prominent one is energy when when someone's healthy they're full of energy and when we're ill we don't have energy and, and as we age we don't have energy and a lot of us spiritually we're in bed because we just don't have the energy. Can I tell you that the, the Lord is here today and he, he'll be here tomorrow and he's going to be here at every moment and he wants to heal you of that sickness, heal you of that illness. Another reason that people stay in bed, and this is a form of illness, but I wanted to talk a little bit more about this is because of depression. We know this from working with families, working with individuals, Every, everyone has had some measure of depression in their life. Some have had it clinically. We're learning a lot more about depression. We're learning the physical causes of it, the causation there. And I know this is that um, you need to work with doctors and you need to work with counselors and, and you need to work with whoever God uses to help you with this cloud of depression over you. But here's what I don't want you to do, as you're taking advantages of those valuable and important resources, because even medication can be a helpful resource at times. As you're taking advantages of those resources, don't eliminate God. For some reason, we eliminate God in that particular kind of physical illness. We think God can do anything. God can save the world. God can perform miracles on the mission field. God can answer these great kind of cultural prayers. But we think that for whatever reason, God can't intervene in our depression or our anxiety. And I, I just want you to reinvite God. I'm not here to give you false hope. I'm trying to give you God-centered hope that we don't need to eliminate God from that part of our life. That doesn't mean we eliminate, again, the techniques that God is using to bring us to health. God is using to help with that cloud of depression, but we don't eliminate God from that important time. Some of us are in bed spiritually. We're in bed spiritually because we're just, we're simply depressed. We have a cloud over us. And I just want to speak over you, life in that area. And could it be that this coming year, that this is a year the cloud is lifted? This is a year the cloud disseminates. This is a year that no longer is that perpetually over you. And you can rise up again, get up again and get about the Lord's work and the Lord's business. Sometimes we don't get out of bed in the natural because of a lack of purpose, long periods of unemployment. And we don't want to get out of bed again to face more rejection as we're applying for jobs. Or we don't want to get out of bed because it's too painful to think about the life of employment we once had. Or we don't want to get out of bed just because we don't really know what to do with that day. Even sometimes during holiday seasons, when things are not ideal, we don't want to get out of bed. There's a lack of purpose. And these are things that happen to us spiritually. And this is what I want to say to this, is that our God is full of purpose if you're living right now, if you're alive, if you're breathing right now, that God has purpose for you. Don't give up. Don't, delay, don't resist God's work in this area because he wants, to, and he wants to reveal to you his purposes for you and infuse purpose that will get you out of your slumber. All of this is God saying, wake up, people. Wake up. In Matthew 24, uh, we won't read the scripture for the sake of time today, but Jesus was talking to religious people. Let's go ahead and read it. We do have time. Verse 36. Everybody said, oh, bummer. Okay, that's all right. Now concerning that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, except the Father only. As the days of Noah were, so the coming of the Lord of the Son of Man will be. For in those days, people, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the, the day Noah boarded the ark. They did not know until the flood came and swept them all away. So this is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, be alert since you don't know what day your Lord is coming. But know this if the homeowner Had known what time the thief was coming, he would have stayed alert and not let his house be broken into. This is why you also must be ready because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you don't know, that you do not expect. We need to look at this. There's three layers working here. First of all, what was Jesus saying to the people who were listening to him? Jesus was saying that to these religious leaders, I'm right here. The son of man has come and you're not even recognizing me right now. This is clear that Jesus is saying this. He's saying that the hour is upon you and you don't see the coming of the Lord is right here. The first coming, the advent, which we are celebrating right now during this season. And people did not see that one was chosen and one wasn't chosen. One was taken and one wasn't. And here it was, people had been looking for Jesus all through the scriptures, looking at prophecies, uh, analyzing when Jesus would come again. And the Messiah was standing right there in the midst and they did not even recognize him so it is with us and this culture of familiarity with the things of God. We're in good churches and we're listening to great worship songs and we have an overexposure of the scripture. I mean, there's tons of Bibles in our, in our homes and we can access the word of God, but the coming of the Lord often has not, it has not settled in our hearts. And the third layer is this, is his second coming. For Jesus will come again a second time at his own choosing. And only he knows when that will happen. It may be this year, it may be 200 years from now. We just don't know. But Jesus will come physically and visible to the world. And that's one of the messages of Advent. That's the hope that we have. Our hope is not in the progress we can make uh, with the institutions we have here. Our hope is not in earthly systems. Our, her- our hope is not in earthly power. We have hope that Jesus will come again so it is. The coming of the Lord is coming. It is happening in your life. Even when we're surprised, I've heard of of a couple of relatives in our church, people I didn't know personally, but relatives of people who attended, who attend this church, who lost loved ones this week. You heard about Florence Henderson. You heard about Fidel Castro, people in their eighties, people in their nineties, people close to hundred years old. And though It's an appropriate age to pass. It's still a surprise, isn't it? It's still a shock. And then we have these poor children in Chattanooga. Tragically and senselessly, their life came to an end. So it is that we don't know when we will stand before Jesus. But we look beyond the days and hours that we can see here. We look beyond earthly institutions. We look beyond what we know and we look to the heavenly place and we say, Jesus, because you came once again, once before, we know you're gonna come again. So the word of the Lord today is wake up, church. When will you wake up to live for heavenly things, things that matter to the Lord? This is the time of year that it starts getting dark really, really early. I grew up in central time in Dallas, but then when I moved here 20 years ago to the eastern, uh, close to the eastern standard timeline in Nashville, you guys live here, so you know that we're very close to the time change. And so in Dallas, it would get dark about 5.45, and here it's 4.30 to 4.45. How many have a real problem with that? Can you just, just take a poll? Okay, and I understand, you are normal. I'm abnormal because I kind of dig the whole deal, okay? I, I like variety and I wouldn't like that year round I would not enjoy that. But um, for the winter months, it's just cozy and nice and you feel like you have the excuse to go home and be with your family and not you know, not stand out in the front yard till nine o'clock at night. As you know, I do that all the time, don't I, Beth? Because I just garden and farm and do all the things I do. <laughs> so I can tell you guys know me. So I like this time of year, but I'm abnormal. I'm one of the strange ones. Is anyone with me that kind of likes it? Is there anyone? Okay, four, five, 10, 12 of you, whatever the case is. So, but before electricity came around, it was generally believed by everyone that light was good because you could actually do things. And when it became dark, it was very highly restrictive what could happen. It was highly restrictive. And so metaphorically, The Bible talks about the light as being good and the darkness being bad. And as we look at this metaphorically, here is the question. Why do you love the dark? Write that down. Why do you love the dark? This is a question the Spirit of God is speaking to us today. Why do we love the dark things? Romans 13, starting in verse 12, says it this way. The night is nearly over and the daylight is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency, as in the daylight, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy. And that's not an exhaustive list. That's just a a primer is saying, hey, these are the type of things that are done Um, in the metaphorical darkness and the list can go on and the scripture points those out. The works of darkness are kind of obvious to us. They're, They're kind of known to us. We know what things are dark. I like, or I think it's important that we look at what verse 12 says. Let us discard the deeds of darkness. Simply put, there are times we just need to say no to certain sins in our life. We need to say no to destructive habits. We need to say no to behavioral patterns that aren't good for us. And here's what happens. And I want you to be encouraged by this. Do you know that every time you say no to a sin or to a destructive habit in your life, it has less of a hold on you. Every time you say no, you're stronger. Every time you say no, you you are asserting the victory that Jesus purchased for you over that sin, over that habit, over that temper, over whatever it is that is a weakness in you. And every single person has a weakness. Every single person has a struggle. And I'm calling you, I'm calling us to say no to sin more frequently, to say no to destructive behavior, to say no to the things that the enemy is using to take advantage of us it's not enough just to say no, because if you say no to something, that's kind of a drag, that's kind of a negative. Instead, if you're, the best way to say no to sin is to say yes to something greater. And look what it said there in verse 12. It says, let us put on the armor of light. Let's put on the armor of light. Let's get around the light. Let's get around the good things of God. Let's get around the productive things of the Lord. Later on in the scripture, and we read this earlier, verse, the verse 14 says, um, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on Jesus' character. Put on who he is. Get intentional about the light. Get intentional about good things. So I just want to encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, get a New Testament. And let's not wait till January to start reading our Bibles. Let's try to get into the New Testament now. Get a Bible reading plan. It could be the one that we provided you. Uh, it could be, there's various, you can find so many good Bible reading plans, but I encourage you to get into the New Testament. Put on the armor of light. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. When it comes to prayer, how do you pray? You say, I don't know how to pray. Well, Jesus wants to teach you how to pray. And the best way to start praying is make a list. A list of things that concern you. A list of things you're worried about, you know, start out with your family, move on to things that affect your life. Think about our world, that issue, that cause you care about. If you care about peace in North Korea, start praying for North Korea. You know, if you you care about world hunger in East Africa, start praying about that. If you care about a lack of educational opportunity here in America, start praying about that. Write it down. Write down the things that concern you, the things that interest you, the things that um, you want want to see improved in this world. And this begins to form prayers in us, for us, around us. And and we can put on that armor of light. We can put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Start attending a church. Start realizing that faithfulness to church is Also important, yes, we have personal devotions and personal prayer time, but there is an anointing when we come together, the fellowship of God's people. What happens when we sing songs and read prayers together and hear the Word of God together and hear Scripture and as you begin to get into small group, men's groups, women's groups, 242 groups, you begin to put on the armor of light. As you begin to serve, as you begin to explore what Alpha is, these are things that you put on the armor of light and you're intentionally intentionally planning to to cause God's purposes to come about in your life. Love the light, love the good things. I love what Isaiah 2, Isaiah chapter 2 is one of the most hopeful scriptures in the Bible because it's speaking about Jesus and it's speaking about his advent, his coming, but it's talking about what has happened already and what will occur at his second coming when Jesus asserts his rule and reign. And every time I read this, it brings joy to me, and so experience this joy with me as we read Isaiah chapter two. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be established, and the top of the mountains and, uh, and will be raised above the hills. All nations will stream to it, and many people peoples will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He, being Jesus, will teach us about his ways so that we may walk in his path. For instruction will go out of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will settle disputes among the nations. How many can say amen to that? He will settle disputes among the nations and provide arbitration for many peoples. They will turn their swords into plows and their spears into pruning knives. Let me just remind you what this is. Instead of creating weapons that destroy the Lord's going to use all of our scientific breakthroughs, all of the, the creativity of mankind. Instead of destroying systems and weapons that destroy and hurt and keep us in perpetual war. Instead, through Jesus, we're going to be productive. And we're going to see fruitfulness on this earth. And we're going to see this earth become everything that God wants it to be when righteousness is in charge. Nations will not take up the sword against other nations and they will never again train for war. The day of the Lord, the house of Jacob. Does that not sound like good news? Does that not sound like hopeful news for our future? Does that not sound like news that this whole world can agree upon of what can happen when Jesus is in charge? So how do we respond? And look at that last scripture in verse 5. Come and let us walk in the lord's light let's walk in the lord's light so we see that his light is not just bringing personal salvation yes it is but the light of the lord is bringing societal change the light of the lord is bringing breakthrough in warfare the the light of the lord is eliminating genocide the Light of the world is going to eliminate the need for the armies of the world and there will be no more need for nuclear weapons when the light of the Lord comes. The light of the Lord means everyone's going to be educated. The light of the Lord means that the world hunger will be gone instead of a billion people starving because of the oppression of man. The light of the Lord is going to come and it's going to feed the hungry. This is the message that we get to carry. This is a message that we, we get to participate in. And so because of that, walk in the light. This is not the old days. We'll walk in the light because you're going to get in trouble. And if you do something wrong, you say a cuss word. All all, all of a sudden, the ground's going to open. You're going to descend into the fire of hell right then. How many of that motivation doesn't really help that much? It just scares us to death. And I know that because of Jesus, there is a wrath of God. But because of Jesus, I'm not under wrath. I'm under blessing. Because of Jesus, I'm under the provision of the Lord. But I walk in the light. Because there's purpose and that Jesus is redeeming the world. We're participating with that. And when Jesus comes again and physically and visibly sets his foot on the Mount of Olives outside of Jerusalem, this world will see what a true leader is. And I'll preach that over and over and over again because that is our hope on this Advent Sunday. Our hope is in the Lord. Our hope is in his promises and who he is. When I was a youth pastor, I had a friend of mine who told me the story. And it, it impacted me so much, I remember the story, even though it's secondhand. There was the last night of a spiritual retreat. The Spirit of God had moved. God had done great works among the students. And it was one of those joyful experiences I have been part of in other settings where we're right with God, we're right with each other. Things were great. There was one particular girl who... Her parents didn't go to the church. She didn't have that spiritual environment that many of our kids uh, had the advantage of, of experiencing here at this church with their parents. And on that last night, she began to be more solemn and w- withdrawn. And so the youth pastor and his wife went to her and said, what's going on? Why are you drawing back? Why are you sad? Why are you melancholy? And she said something so sad uh, that it stuck with me all these years later. She said... I know that when I get back to that environment of my family and friends, I know I won't be able to keep this. I know I won't be able to live for the Lord. So he did everything a youth pastor is supposed to do. Yes, you can. Don't give up and talk to her. And honestly, to this day, I don't know the outcome of the story. It, she, very, she very well may have continued to live for the Lord. She may have not. We, I don't, never found out the outcome of the story. But it was one of the most saddest statements at that moment in that time because she was already planning for defeat. She was already anticipating um, tripping up. She, She was already just expecting failure. And this is a question I have as I thought about that story. What are you planning? Here's the last question the Lord has. What are you planning? Romans 13, 14 says it this way. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ And make no plans to satisfy the fleshly desires. And I just want to call some of you in this weekend of reflection to not plan to sin in the coming months, in the coming year. Don't plan for evil. Don't anticipate failure. Don't anticipate things going worse. Don't have a defeatist attitude that says that, well, that addiction is going to get me again, or that habit's going to get me again, or my friend group, just, just, they're not going to be supportive or blaming your parents or blaming your past. These are things that the enemy wants you to live in a mindset of defeat, but God wants you to plan for victory. Psalms 122 is, Verse six through nine says, says these words, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you prosper. May there be peace within your walls, prosperity within your fortress. Now look at verse eight and nine. Here's a powerful verse. Because of my brothers and friends, I will say, peace be with you. Because of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your good. And I want to call you and challenge you and invite you to begin to plan for great things in the coming months and years. Begin to plan for God to intervene in ways you've never seen. To begin to plan for productivity in the kingdom of God. To begin to expect our all-powerful God to do what our all-powerful God does when humble hearts when humble hearts submit to him. I love that last part of verse 9. Because of the house of the Lord our God, because of the gospel message, I will seek your good. And I just want to call you to seek the good of the places where you live in the coming days. Seek the good of your neighborhood. Seek the good of your school system. uh, Seek the good of the nonprofits that you may volunteer for. Seek the good of churches like this or other churches you may be a part of. Seek the good of places of commerce that you work at where you give your time and work, they give you a paycheck. Seek the good of that place. Seek the good of the restaurants that we eat at. Seek the good of the grocery stores that we shop in. Seek the good of the parks that we walk in. Seek the good of the Lord. Let peace reign. Begin to plan and anticipate what God can do through your life as you submit to Him. But here's here's what the enemy wants you to do. The enemy wants you to stay asleep and to stay in the dark And to plan for evil. But God is saying today, wake up, get into the light and start expecting and planning for good things to come through you. Because our God is powerful to work through you and he wants to work through you. Can we stand together? Can we stand together? I I hope that you can just sense in your spirit that the Lord has great purpose on this message today. On this Thanksgiving weekend, which I personally find it to be a time of reflection, a time of planning, a time of anticipation among the leisure, among the the conversation, among the celebration, which all of that is important to us to do as a people. But where can you be a year from now? Come on, the Lord wants to ask that right now. Where can you be a year from now? When you go to Thanksgiving next year, what kind of person can you be? What kind of environments can you be in? What can your character look like a year from now? What can God be doing through you a year from now? The Lord says, wake up, get out of the bed, get out of the slumber. It's all the different reasons, whether it's slothfulness or being lazy. or Maybe it's because we've been spiritually damaged. Maybe because we feel unhealthy. Maybe it's because of depression. These are all legitimate things. But the Lord is the healer, the great physicians here. And he's saying, I want to heal your illness. I want to heal your sickness. And I'm calling you out of that place of slumber. I'm calling you out of that place of sleep. And I'm calling you to wake up because the night is over. The day is here. We're going to see in our days some of the greatest moves of God we've ever seen if we have faith enough to believe it. If we begin to lay Aside the things that distract us and focus on Him and get into community together. Think of what God can do through you as an individual and through us as a people one year from now. Can you believe it that He can do that? I, I call you to dream again. Dream again. Let the Lord be your companion in your dreams. Some of you are scared to dream. You're scared to dream because the heart, the heart has been um hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so you're scared to dream again, but the healer is here. The healer is calling forth your dreams again. And this is what he's saying about your dreams. He's saying, I'm the leader of your dreams. A lot of times we've been trying to lead God with our dreams. God, you have to do what I want you to do. You have to make this dream come true. Uh, We have this kind of... um, arrogant attitude towards God, like we control God. Can I tell you that we don't lead God with our dreams. God leads us with his dreams for us. And he takes our personality and our preferences and he becomes this companion that he's always with us in our dreams to, to shape them, to mold them, to readjust them, to take them to the place he wants them to go. Amen.